Hi, I'm Joel Garcia. Welcome to the Pop Culture Shuffle. On today's show, I have a few things to talk about. First up, have you ever heard of the San Diego Strike Force? Then, I take a look at some fan fiction between Marvel's The Avengers and the Chronicles of Narnia? And finally, a short announcement about something happening later this month. But first, are you ready for some arena football? Last week, I briefly mentioned the San Diego Strike Force during my overall thoughts on the USFL. Since some of you might be confused by that mention, or probably never even heard of the Strike Force, I'm going to expand on that. That and I push my review of Miss Marble to next week. The San Diego Strike Force are an arena football team which play in the Indoor Football League, also known as the IFL. Arena football is a very unique sport. Just by the name itself, you can surmise that it is football played in an arena. Where it differs from regular football is the field size. The standard size for all NFL, college football, and other football fields is 100 yards wide. Arena football, on the other hand, is only 50 yards. This is due to most arenas being sized to fit either hockey or basketball, sports which play on much smaller fields. There are other differences between arena and regular football, including the use of an artificial field, the ollie-shaped goalposts, and the many regional leagues. In addition to the IFL, there are also the National Arena League and fan-controlled football. When it comes to the sport, I recall watching a few games in the early 2000s, when NBC aired games from the now-defunct Arena Football League. I recall enjoying the games, mostly because there was nothing else to watch. I also knew they were only airing them because at the time, they didn't have any rights to the NFL. Hilariously, when NBC got the rights to Sunday Night Football, guess what immediately got dropped? Outside of the AFL's double collapse, I barely paid any attention to the sport. I only became aware of it again when I heard San Diego would be getting an expansion team for the IFL. There have been several attempts at bringing arena football to San Diego, such as the Shockwave, Riptide, and Seduction. In addition, due to a scheduling conflict, the LA Kiss of the aforementioned AFL wound up playing their final game in San Diego before shutting down. Most of these teams have played in what is currently known as Pechanga Arena, also known as the San Diego Sports Arena. The Strike Force shared the arena with the National Lacrosse League Seals and American Hockey League's goals, the latter also being a minor league affiliate of the NHL's Anaheim Ducks. It's a decent arena that is badly showing its age. How old is it? 
1979, Magic Johnson made his NBA debut in a game played at that arena between the LA Lakers and San Diego Clippers. And now you know why San Diego also doesn't have an NBA team. I just want to stop for a moment and say I have nothing against the IFL or their teams. Some provide their cities the only major team in the region, such as the Bismarck Bucks of North Dakota or Duke City Gladiators of Albuquerque, New Mexico. In addition, it has become the dominant arena football league in the country following the collapse of the AFL. It is also heavily available to stream on YouTube and airs weekly games on the Stadium Broadcast Network. Going back to the Strike Force, they are an outlier. They were one of three teams launched following the departure of the Chargers to LA, the other two being the San Diego Fleet of the Alliance of American Football and San Diego Warriors of the Freedom Football League. The former, as some of you probably already know, infamously collapsed as part of a league-wide shutdown, while the latter never made it past a couple of social media accounts. The Strike Force began playing in the IFL in 2019 and have been outright awful. The team has tried its best to fill that gaping hole left behind by the Chargers. Their current motto is even, and I quote, Professional football is back, unquote. Even though the two teams play completely different styles of football. Also, they've been around for four years, so back is a bit of a stretch. Unless it refers to the team skipping the 2021 IFL season due to COVID. The team's record has been abysmal, with very few wins and losses in the double digits. After this recording, the team has a 3-12 record with only one more game left to play. The games have been flashy, with high scores in the 30s or 40s, but the team can never finish the job. Their most recent game had the team choking away a win at the last possible second to the aforementioned Gladiators. On a personal note, I find arena football to be utterly boring. I'm not sure if it's the arena setting, the way the broadcast is presented, or just when they take place. It just looks depressing to watch. Even with a local football team to support, I can't imagine myself going to see a game or even buying their merchandise. Ironically, I've invested more into one of San Diego's local soccer teams, the San Diego Loyal of the USL Championship. The ironic part comes from the fact that I've barely cared about soccer for the longest time, and yet I still pay more attention to it than arena football. What else can I say about the Strike Force? They're an arena football team that wants to be San Diego's replacement for the Chargers, despite technically being a completely different sport. If you're someone who can accept that, more power to you. For me, I just cannot get into arena football, and by extension, the strike force. The IFL streams on YouTube and airs weekends on Stadium.
now it's time for another piece of fan fiction. This time, we're doing a crossover between two things that really should not be crossing over one another. The Avengers and the Chronicles of Narnia. Now at this point, you probably know who the Avengers are, so I'm not gonna say much about it, other than Captain America plays a major role in this fic. As for the Chronicles of Narnia, I should give my brief thoughts on it. It is a book series written by C.S. Lewis that has been adapted with varying degrees of success to both TV and film. The first story in the series, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, focused on siblings Edmund, Lucy, Peter, and Susan traveling to a magical world known as Narnia and fighting an evil witch. And also, well, hanging out with a lion named Aslan, who may or may not be a metaphor for God. When it comes to these books, I will say that they're pretty good. My best experience with these books was during the 5th grade, in which my 5th grade teacher would love to read these stories and give his own personality to the characters. For example, when it came to the character of Reepy Cheap, a magical talking rat who loves to fight, he would give him a brave and courageous voice. So that was my first experience with the Chronicles of Narnia, and at the same time, I also got to check out the BBC miniseries that came out, which our teacher showed us. And I thought they were decent. And then several years later, I saw, or well, tried to see the Disney films, which were blatant attempts to replicate the success of Harry Potter, and, well, they tried. And I will just say this, when comparing the movies with... My recollections of my 5th grade teacher reading the books, Mr. Smith did a better job. But then again, that was mostly because when he read the books, he didn't bother with the British accents. So his repeat cheap was like, the most American warrior ever. And then the repeat cheap in the movie was super British. And yeah, I know, the books are based in the UK, the movies are based in the UK, and almost all the characters speak with British accents. That's not the problem, it's just that, to me, from what I saw of the Disney and Fox films, they were trying too hard. They clearly wanted to cash in on that sweet Harry Potter money, but based on the fact that Disney, Disney, gave up on this series after two films, and Fox crashed and burned with a third one, yeah, there was no way they could fix this. Now the reason I bring all this up is because it has absolutely nothing to do with the story we're going to talk about. So let's get to the story and we're going to do something different. Normally when I do one of these fanfic readings, I tend to do one chapter or a snippet of a chapter. But then again, the chapters are so short in this case, I'm going to do two chapters of the story called Finding My Way. The story by Lost to Found, and that is with a 2. The synopsis reads, Lucy survived the train crash and was put into stasis. She has found many Avengers. What would happen if she knew Steve? What would happen if they knew that they were no longer alone? Now that particular detail about surviving a train crash appears to be a reference to the last book in the Chronicle of Narnia series, the Last Battle. I'm not going to go that deep into the story, but it is a major point of the book in which the characters are in a train crash, and I'll leave it at that. Now I just say that because the way the story goes in just the first two chapters, 
it really doesn't give you that much to go on. So with that said, let's get to the story, and we're going to start off with Chapter 1. What is this place? Clint mumbled. It was supposed to be a simple mission. To destroy a Hydra base deep in the wilderness of Wales. Steve looked around, his eyes sharp for any signs of danger. Hydra Lab, they experimented on prisoners here. Cap, Natasha called. You need to see this. Quickly, Steve made his way over to the assassin, the rest of the team joining them around what looked like a large tube. It's a girl! Tony, can you pick up any vital signs? Jarvis? The voice of Jarvis greeted them all. The girl appears to be alive. Immediately, Steve leapt into action, calling out orders across his cum. This was no longer a simple seek and destroy. This was an evacuation. Chapter 2 Steve sat beside the girl's bed, reading a newspaper. She was young, not much he knew. Maybe seventeen at the oldest. Her hair was a light strawberry blonde. Her clothing is what shocked him the most. She was dressed in a shirt and blouse that looked very similar to the style women wore in his own time. Suddenly, the pace of her heart monitor changed, as did the cadence of her breathing. With a groan, she curled in on herself, squeezing her eyes tightly shut, as though in pain. Steve shifted in his chair, turning his full attention on the girl. She was silent, but her lips moved frantically, whispering something he couldn't understand. Steve stood and hurried to the door, sticking his head out to call Dr. Banner. Within a few seconds, most of the Avengers were coming towards him from the living room. I think she's waking up. He explained. The team all gathered around the bed. Not a moment later, the girl's eyes snapped open, wide and nearly frantic. Peter! She cried. Id! Quickly, the girl turned her head and her shoulder to stifle a sob. When she looked back up, her face was blank of all emotion. And when she spoke, her voice was hard. Where am I? The sound of the girl's voice, thick with a British accent, caused Steve's heart to constrict painfully. You're in Avengers Tower, Tony said smugly. Stark, Steve snapped. She asked, Capsicle. What is your name? Dr. Banner asked gently, interrupting his teammates before they could start bickering. The girl, however, had her eyes glued on the captain. Steve? She gasped, looking as though she was seeing a ghost. Steve's eyes narrowed and his brow furrowed thoughtfully as he tried to place the girl. Did she just go cap, Steve? Tony asked. You're supposed to be dead, the girl continued as though the billionaire hadn't spoken. Your plane went down four years ago. We spent months looking for you, begging the commanders were devastated. What's going on? How are you alive? Who are you? 
Steve asked pensively. Lucy, my brother's joined the Compendos in 44. Lucy Pensivy, your, your brothers were the twins, right? Peter and Edmund. Lucy looked down at Dad. Steve, what's going on? Where are we? Mr. Stark was right, Lucy. We're at Avengers Tower. I thought it'd be better to have you here than a S.H.I.E.L.D. hospital. Stark? As in Howard Stark? An odd look crossed the older man's face, but he nodded. I'm Howard's son, Tony. Lucy's face paled and Steve gave him a sharp look. What year is it? When no one answered, her gaze locked on Bruce. She sat up straight in the bed, despite the obvious pain it caused her, and the look in the girl's eyes, like flint, caused Bruce to take an involuntary step backwards. Steve called you doctor. Please, tell me, Dr. Banner, what year is it? It's 2013, Bruce replied gently. What is the last thing you remember? Sigon, she whimpered. My brothers. Eustace is Jill. Professor Culkin and Polly. All of them. Edmund grabbed me and Pete tried to shield us both, but... Oh, lion! Susan! The girl scrambled up and threw off the covers. I have to find Sue! Lucy, wait. Steve ordered as the girl scrambled for the door. Hardly two steps forward before anyone can grab her, the girl crumpled to the floor. Now before I continue, I just want to point out that the Iron Man voice I made was in reference to my previous Iron Man fanfics in which, well, Iron Man is drunk. As for the story in itself, well, it's a good start to a story. I mean, the idea of the Chronicles of Narnia crossing over with the Avengers is a bizarre one, but at the same time could work. After all, the Chronicles of Narnia, at least at the start, took place during the Second World War, so it would probably make a little bit of sense for Captain America to know them. In addition, it does state that a lot of the events from the books did happen, and now apparently, somehow, Lucy survived a train wreck, was somehow cryogenically frozen, for some reason, and is now in the 21st century with Steve and the Avengers. Now, I'm not going to say that's a bad idea, but the problem is that it goes nowhere in this story. Because every other chapter, aside from the last one, is just Steve and Lucy talking about, oh, the future, oh, the present, oh, what happened in the past. And how we had some potential plot threads that are quickly closed. Like, one example is when they bring up a character that we could have something interesting to highlight, but unfortunately the character is no longer around. And it just seems disappointing because it just turns Lucy into a loner, and if that was the intent to make her like Steve, well, 
what was the point? Because that, that's what I see the problem is here. It, it's just Lucy and Steve in 2013, and that's pretty much it. There is no indication that, oh, Aslan's going to show up or, or have any other Narnia references. It's just the two of them are in the present day, and that's about it. Now I see eight chapters, but there are actually nine. The ninth chapter is, well, nothing. It's just the author stating that they haven't abandoned the story, that they're a nursing student, and that hopefully by Christmas break, they'll be back to write some more. This story was last updated in November of 2017. I'm guessing they're still working on their nursing degree, or maybe they just haven't been able to come back to the story. I will say this, unlike most fanfics, I thought this story was pretty good. I actually would like to see a story in which we have two characters from different scenarios simply stuck in the present day. And if anything, I wanted to see what the author could do with the character of Lucy, because she isn't a superhero, and now her only friend in the present day is a superhero. I believe this story still has some potential. After all, you're placing a character from a very fantastical world, and even more fantastical world, with the Avengers. And it's really unfortunate the story just ends on an abrupt note, with the last chapter just being a recap of a film reel they found. This is one of the rare examples where I will say that I would like to see more of this story. I would love to see more of this idea about Lucy in the 21st century. I don't think I've been this upset with a story not being complete since the Loud House story I read about Luna Loud's twin sister, which I really loved, but the author pulled it from fanfiction.net for some reason. And it's unfortunate that I can never find that story again, and it's now lost media. With this story at least, it's still up, but it'll be forever incomplete unless the author comes back from, well, nursing school and decides to continue the story. So all I will say for now about Finding My Way, it's a pretty good story, and it has potential, but the fact that it's just left incomplete will make you feel a bit disappointed by the end of it. Finding My Way by Lost to Found is available to read on fanfiction.net. After three years of not happening due to COVID, San Diego Comic-Con is coming back. Now sure, for the past few years, we've had Comic-Con at home, but it wasn't really exactly Comic-Con if you weren't goofing off around the gas lamp, chilling at the convention center, or even seeing what was happening at the Hilton. And then that so-called Comic-Con that happened back in November was... very lame. The last time Comic-Con was in town, I remember previewing the event beforehand, and then the weekend after, highlighting everything that happened. Because, if I recall correctly, my radio show aired on Tuesdays. With this podcast, I have something different in mind. Stay tuned for more details about my Comic-Con plans. At the moment, it will be a daily show. But not as funny as Trevor Noah's. For now, that is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, 
remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at MrJogarcia9. Until next time, thank you for listening.